podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index India podcast. Darshani hasn't changed her voice. We just have a bit of an injured squad today and I, Bajan, will be your host. And joining me is Aditya and Neil. Boys, welcome. Hi, Bajan. Hello. Hello. Feels like a bit of a boys club tonight, isn't it? I mean, the only one missing is Shri. And I think the girl's taking the extended week off. Don't forget DJ. Yeah, DJ is not that. <laughs> and DJ, of course. Uh, great. So let's try, let's get right into it. We've had now an extended, you know, period away from the game. Um, the last game obviously played was an absolute demolition at Porto. Um, and now we've obviously got the weekend off because of the lack of the FA Cup and we play West Ham next. But before we get into anything, I'd like to just, you know, um, Neil, what did you think about the game against Porto? Uh, it was nice. I mean, it was. I think it was a long wait. You know, we were back in the Champions League after. I mean, the Champions League knockout stages after like almost nine years. I remember I was in school back then when we were last in the Champions League, and I think it was. It was. I think it was one of my favorite away performances in in recent times. I think we played against a Porto side which was very solid, especially in the first fifteen minutes. You know, they were, you know, pretty impressive, and but I think. As the game progressed, I think it was it was it was a good performance because I knew we'd score goals, but I expected a scoreline which was more of you know like a two-two or a, like a one-one-two-two, which was which was a good score away. But I think I think we I think the defense did really well, and you know the front line was ever so perfect. But I was more impressed with especially Genie Wijnaldum. I think he. He, this was one of his very good away performance. He was aggressive and he was very commanding in midfield. It wasn't very, I mean, he wasn't very flashy as such, but I think he got the job done. And I mean, a shout out to Milner as well. I think another, another strong performance in Europe from him. I think he has the joint assist now. I mean, highest assist, like with seven. I think he's like he's in the top of the charts now with the assist. So yeah, I think it was, it was, it, it was like a perfect performance. I mean, you can't ask for more. More like exceeded expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, I was having a chat with, with Nina before and she said it was a very surprising LFC performance. And my next statement to that was it was a very non-LFC away game, right? In the Champions League. So Adi, do you want to, do you, do you want to tell me whether, I mean, what your thoughts were initially? Because I can't remember the last time we've gone away to a leader of another league and absolutely demolished them. Um, yeah, as Neil said, look, first 15 minutes, I thought I, I was, I was pretty skeptical because Porto were playing well and Lovren made that very important block, uh, which, which could have gone in otherwise. Uh, but, but I, I guess, I guess that, that goal really settled us down. Uh, it was a bonus goal. The goalkeeper should have saved that. That, that goal really settled us down. And then I, I, and look, once we scored, we, we, we knew that we'd always get space on the counter attack and with, with our prowess there. I was pretty, I was pretty com- comfortable after we scored, but till we scored, there were jitters. And um, I think 
I think what sums Liverpool up right now is that I was chatting with a couple of people at halftime. Uh, we were two nil up, and people were still like two nil. We need we need to get a couple of goals early, otherwise we don't, you never know what hap- what will happen. Sevilla Sevilla away came to mind and all of that. But I think it, it, it was it was comfortable, and that that is that was really the most surprising part of it. And you you can say that Porto didn't have Felipe, they didn't have Danilo Pereira, they didn't have Abu Bakar. Uh, but all things considered, um, literally no one does this to Porto at the drug out. No one does it to them. And um, I think that their heaviest defeat at home in, in Europe before this was 3-1 or something like that. Um, so to go away, score 5-0, um, I, I don't think you can you can put it down to you know Porto missing a few players or all of that. I think that, that that's just being um, unfair to how good we were on the night. And we were... We were not just good going forward. As usual, we were very good going forward. But I was, ve- I was very, very happy that it was a proper defensive performance. You know, all four of the defenders um, barely put a foot wrong. I think Robertson probably misjudged one or two. But uh, I was very impressed by Trent and the way he dealt with Brahimi. Um, before the game, with, without the people that Porto had, I thought that Brahimi would be the main threat and if we could nullify him, we could probably keep Porto down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, Neil alluded to Wijnaldum, Neil alluded to Milner as well and I don't have to say too much more about Milner. Everyone knows what, what I feel about him and he, I mean, apart from all of that, I probably making two million fouls and not making a, not getting a yellow card is probably his biggest achievement from that game to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, it, it it would be fair to say it was not necessarily a Porto bad performance, but Liverpool was just very, very good and we had a plan. Would both of you agree with that? I think we made them look bad. Uh, we were that good that not much that they could have done to stop us after we scored the first game. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Now, just to wrap this segment up essentially about the Champions League game, the two things that I want to essentially kind of cover is we... Neil's already spoken about um, about Genie, right, and how it was a good away game, which we obviously haven't been used to seeing. Uh, but very specifically, uh, and I'm going to come to you, Adi, because you've obviously been a huge fan, um, of, you know, of Milner. Uh, what do you think specifically that he adds to this midfield three um, that the others don't have, or why is he, for example, if he's at seven, is what, what do you think could be the contributing factors to why he's at seven assists and we don't have another midfielder like him. And why is he that important in an away game in Europe with the experience that he has? Yeah, you, you put it there. It's experience. I mean, there, there's not many people in the squad who played uh, big big away games, big European games. Milner's, he was he was a big part player in that City squad, but uh, City, City used him in these big games. You know, uh, he has his shortcomings. Um, Let's not let's not fool ourselves. He has his shortcomings. He's he can sometimes be overrun by a powerful midfield and all of that. But it's just about you know the positions that he takes and his awareness, his, his awareness of space. And uh, so what what sums up Milner is that is that assist uh, for Bobby was it? Yeah, it was for Bobby. Uh, a lot of people from that position would just slam it across the face of goal, and he just took that extra split second, pulled it back for Bobby, an easy finish. Uh, it's those those little things. Though it boils down eventually to experience and uh, tactical awareness, you might call it. But I think it's just it's just the fact that he's played 
at this level before and you know hendo 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 really hasn't embry hasn't uh, genie not really so it, it's just about the fact that he's been he's been at this stage before and it's it's important because sometimes we we tend to get overawed um, for example i'll go back to that sevilla away game again 3-0 up at half time and then uh, shocking second half and you know both hendo and genie that they just couldn't keep hold of the ball uh, and i think he he brings that i think he brings the ability uh, to calm things down in midfield more than anything okay so um thanks for that adi um essentially i just want one last probably uh, point for this how good was andy robertson right we've obviously had a huge discussion on moreno becoming a lot better than unfortunately he got injured we've seen glimpses of andy robertson first and he had an absolute brilliant game against city um have we hit a jackpot with with andy robertson neil i think we have i think he's he's been very special i feel i mean he he's he, he's not a very expensive transfer and you see how he's settled into the team he's waited for his chance when moreno was doing well in the first half of the season and when he's come into the side he he's just settled in so well it's, it's like he he's he's always been playing and when he offers the whole package he's a very good offensively he's good defensively he gets good crosses in and creates the chances so i think yeah even when he's playing in the champions league i mean in in the game against the port against porto i think he was brilliant not just the premier league and i think i think he's just going to keep getting better i think with van dijk and you know whoever was partnering him the whole back four is looking more and more settled and i think he will it's is good that we have options now because moreno has also done pretty well it's unfortunate that he's got injured but he, that gave us the chance to see how good robertson is so yeah it's 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 been perfect okay this is the perfect you know segue to the next segment or next question that i really want to ask um is neil you mentioned a solid back four and obviously as liverpool fans over the years uh, at least we know that our entire sec- section and group have been craving for a solid solid center back partnership so i'm, I'm going to go very specifically into van dijk um because there's been a lot of talk about how while he's come in things like the goals you know they haven't so we haven't kept enough clean sheets or we're still conceding um you know goals but there's obviously an effect that he's brought into the team there seems to be more calmness right but uh, that adi i just want to you know a can you tell us something about what you feel the van dijk effect has been at least from a visual test uh, look first of all he individually he's he's a fantastic center back he's he doesn't really have a weakness as such in his game and that helps i mean he's had a couple of moments that that have been shaky but that's something you would expect from a guy who's who's new in the setup and all of that um, but i think that's the most important you can you can have other attributes as a center back but uh, i think the most important is that you yourself be a dominating center half and he's been that he's been that in the games that he's played um, so i southampton and porto especially uh, he 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 barely went into an aerial duel and didn't win it um that is something that we've had problems with you know uh, teams putting crosses in set pieces also it helps that he never shuts his mouth you know it's either it's either screaming when we're off the ball screaming at lovren to to start to, to get into position somewhere getting the full backs in position screaming at the goalkeeper 
which is which which, which I think has helped carry us uh, by a long way. Um, so it's just that he's the entire package, and uh, I mean, a lot of people will still question why you know the kind of money that was spent on him, but uh, you know it was a necessity uh, because Lovren, Matip on their day are 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 decent, decent to good. But I think Lovren, I think Van Dyke himself is individually as a centre back a cut above whoever we had before we got him, and it it really helps that he never shuts his mouth and. Uh, you know those those cross field passes. He he bear, even there he, he barely puts a foot. He, he goes on runs in the left wing just because he can. Um, in the Porto game, at one point he was pressing the goalkeeper as well, the opposition goalkeeper. So it's just that he's an entire package and he's he's confident about what he's doing. And um, I think he's he's made everyone better. There's little doubt that he's made everyone around him uh, raise raise their game by a level or two. So fair enough. I mean, it doesn't obviously make sense to talk about a price tag because essentially someone's price tag is worth is what the buying club wants to pay for him, right? But Neil, um, in terms of what Adi said, he was obviously communicating with with carriers, and therefore we assume that there's more confidence. But what do you think, as as obviously as a leader, right? Um, we haven't necessarily conceded less goals. How do you think the others will benefit by a his presence? And then the second part of that is we've seen a couple of combinations used, right? Whether it's, you know, to give a Matip a rest or Lovren a rest. So the second part of the question would then be, you know, who do you think is the better partner for him considering he's going to be your left centre back? I think, look, when coming to being, uh, you know, being the leader, I think we've already seen that he's more commanding and, you know, he's organising the back line all, all the time. And because of him, the whole, you know, he looks relaxed and that is why, you know, the whole backline looks more relaxed, you know. And I think the more he plays, I think the better he'll get because he needs time to settle. It's just been like, I don't know, a month and a half. And yeah, I think I mean, we still had like a, still a lot of games and uh, Klopp hasn't had a full preseason with him because I remember how Klopp stressing on how important a preseason is for his players. So I think... The real deal, I mean, of course, we, we we know how, you know, we can already see how good he is. But I think the real him, and, you know, when the whole backline will solidify is probably next season. But talking about who will partner him, I it's, it's a very tricky question. Because whoever's played along with him, you know, Martip or Lovren, I think we've conceded goals with both. But we also had good performances at the back when both were there. So it's a really tricky question. But I... <laughs> It's, it's difficult to choose one, but if I had to, I'd go with Lovren because I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just like Lovren. I mean, I've always sided with Lovren, even when he's made mistakes. But yeah, I think Lovren would. Lovren is. I think Lovren would be the preferred partner for me, and I think Klopp prefers it that way as well. But yeah, let's see. I I don't know. Maybe maybe next season it won't be either of them. <laughs> so, yeah, you never know. So with both the games that we've seen right we've seen obviously like you said one Lovren, one matip neil who would you pick if you were to just go ahead what would be your first two with i mean obviously vvd plus one so who would be yours going ahead obviously it's a small sample size we've only seen either of them play one odd game with him with with van dyke but in your opinion who takes that second spot so it's it's like i said it's it's I choose Lovren because uh, I think uh, over Martip and Lovren, I think I see the partnership blooming more with more with Lovren. And if he had a choice between Martip and Lovren, 
I think till the end of the season, I'd like to see how it plays out with Lauren and Van Dijk at the back. Okay, interesting. Um, fair enough. So, Adi, I'm going to come to you. You obviously haven't been that much of a fan of Lauren, but lately we've also seen Matip face um, a fair number of pressure, right? He, he gets beaten sometimes, he gets run across. Um, there were some shouts about him playing as a defensive midfielder, but obviously that's not, it's not something that's, that's an option for us at this stage. So the same question, who would, who would, who do you think is the better partner for Van Dyke? Or let me add this as well. Do you think now with Klein coming back, you could have the option of testing Gomez or is it the, or, or is it just a bad time to pull him in because we're, you know, at the end of the season? I'm not entirely decided between Matip and Lovren, but I don't think I'd, I'd want to have Gomez at centre-half. Uh, because um, he's shown that sometimes he goes to sleep while, when crosses come in. Uh, he's shown that, you know, he's he's not the strongest aerially. Um, so, I don't think I'd want to have him at centre-half. Because over over the course of the season, Gomez has shown that he's a, he's a stronger defender one-on-one when the ball is at, at the opposition uh, attacker's feet. So, I probably wouldn't want to have Gomez at centre-back. Between Matip and Lovren, I think it will depend on the opposition for me. Uh, we're going to face a, t- a lot of teams that will play uh, set-up like Swansea did against us. Against those teams, I'd like to see Matip because sometimes he tends to provide the option of you know playing those passes through the lines. Uh, look, Van Dyke, Van Dyke offers that as well. But I think Matip would offer an additional option as well because there's a lot of times against the teams that, you know, sit back defensively, set up their low blocks, where Matip has shown more adventure with his passing than even, say, a Henderson or a Chan or a Gini Wijnaldum. So, um, against against the teams that set up with, with, with you know, the low block, I'd probably want Matip ahead of Lovren. But again, uh, it, there's not much to, much to choose between them because uh, as much as both of them have got criticism, I feel that Matip's gotten by rather easily because of how bad the other person has been with him. Um, so, in a way, he's got his his poor performances have sort of gone under the radar. Um, so, there's really not much to choose between uh, Matip and Lovren. Uh, and as I said, uh, if if there's one differentiating factor, it'll probably be Matip's ability to you know carry the ball forward and make make those passes between the lines, which which we're going to need against teams that don't give us space in behind their defence. We're going to have to create, and I think Matip could help with that as well, apart from the defensive work where there's really not much to choose between him and Lovren. Okay, so let me put both of you on the spot then. A uh, couple of weeks from now, we play United away, right? Give me your back four. Okay, I'll I go okay. first. I go, yeah. I go Trent, 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 Lovren, Van Dijk, Robertson. Okay, interesting. Neil? Yeah, I think I'd go with the same back back four. I'm not sure Klein is too fit yet, but if we have these four available, they'd be they'd be my choice for the back four. So surprisingly, both of you have picked uh, Trent over Gomez for an away game against United. He made his Premier League first Premier League start, don't reference. So um, I don't think he's going to get overawed by the situation or anything. Yeah, I think and, he's fast. Past that now, I think he's possible. And, and I really think that you know uh, he, he you're going to have to deal with Alexis and uh, Gomez has shown more of a tendency to switch off momentarily than Trent has. And when when Alexis is around, you don't want that to happen. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's okay. So we we've obviously now discussed you know the Van Dyke partners. We've also discussed the fact that we now have options. We legitimately have a fuller squad. We have a fitter squad. We've also got a ten day break between games, um, which is really surprising at this stage of the season. Um, Lalana's on his way back, presumably back now. Um, Ings is on his way now, presumably back, but. How are we placed in terms of the last 11-odd games of the season? Uh, plus, obviously, Champions League to go with it. Do you think with the squad that we have, we're in a better place? We've obviously rotated, right? But we've rotated in positions that we've had options at. So, for example, our right-backs have been rotated, our left-backs have been rotated, um, our centre-backs have been rotated, more of a function of you know, the lack of solidity. Uh, and the fact that we've just brought Van Dyke in. So you had multiple options. You had a Clavan coming in sometimes. So we've rotated, but the rotation in some cases has been more a function of necessity because someone's either unavailable or you've rotated in these back four. The rotation in the front three reduced post Coutinho, obviously. Um, and you've also seen some kind of drop off within the midfield. Where do you think? Do, how much do you think the rotation now will benefit us going into the finishing of the season? Um, Neil, what do you think about that? I don't think it will because, um, like you said, you know, there's been um, like more rotation in some places. But I think when you see the last few games, especially the, I mean, since Coutinho departed, the front three have been pretty much the same. So, you know, changing anything in that front three except, you know, in the games where they're red dark. Like, you know, dead drop us up. Like, especially the Porto game, I think, I don't know, I mean, because we had break, I mean, we have, sorry, we had, we have a United game coming up after the Porto game. I think we'll probably see, you know, not the front three start and, you know, they'd be well rested. But apart from that, I don't think there'd be, you know, we'd probably benefit uh, from, you know, them not starting, especially the front three, because it doesn't make sense, because you don't have anyone of that caliber to replace. Firmino or Mani or Salah in the front three. But when, yeah, when coming to the midfield, we have, we have options. We have Oxley, Chamberlain, Lalana is almost fit. But of course, when it comes between the two, I'd of course prefer Oxley, Chamberlain starting because he's more hardworking and he's just more involved in the game than Lalana is. And yeah, I think we have Henderson, we have Wijnaldum, we have Emrejan, and we have Milner. So yeah, I think. I think we'll see the midfield being more rotated if requ- if required, but and the front three and the back four, I think it should be you know be stable over the course of the next few like you know few games at least. Okay, so Adi, I'm just going to read out a couple of fixtures and then let's see. I mean, if in terms of your rotation, what kind of games would you play or introduce the likes of an in, Ings or a Lalana? Or give Ox more game time, or maybe one of the other midfielders, right? So we've got West Ham at home, Newcastle at home. Yeah, so that's yeah. after a week. Like we've had like West Ham mm-hmm. after like a a ten day break. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So first, I'm, I'm just gonna read these out, right? So you've oh, got okay, West Ham at home, you've got Newcastle at home, then you've got Porto at home, and then you've got the United game. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and then post that you've got Watford. At home again, Palace away. You've got the Merseyside derby away, and then you've got Bournemouth, West Brom, Stoke, and then Chelsea on the fifth of May. Adi, where 
with these games in mind, with the current squad, who would you bring in when in order to just make sure? Because, okay, Neil, Neil already said it, right? The front three hasn't been rotated. There will be a point in time where some of them may need some kind of rest. Which games will you probably just bench them for? Uh, okay, so I'm not I'm, I'm not going to think too far ahead. I mean, I don't think it's going to be wise. So I, I'll take the next four games. Uh, West Ham, I'd, I'd go with I'd go as strong as we possibly can because everyone's had ten days, <coughs> ten days of rest, and then there's a week between West Ham and Newcastle as well, so we can afford to go full strength. Uh, I would I would I would play a couple of the fri- couple of the French players against Porto at home. Um, I mean. I don't think with whatever squad we play, I don't think we're going to lose by five, six goals at Anfield. Uh, so I think I think we can give the French players a chance um, against Porto at Anfield so that uh, everyone's fresh for United. Um, because I, I think I think we, we we have a realistic shout of finishing in that second spot in the Premier League and beating United will be a huge boost to everyone. Uh, I mean, not just because it's beating United. It, in terms of the table as well, it's going to be a huge boost to everyone. Um, I think I think rotation is going to be a little more crucial when the Champions League quarterfinals begin, uh, because there's 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 no break. It's it's one midweek first leg, weekend Premier League, midweek second leg again. So there's going to be no break there. So maybe the Premier League game in between, you'd want to have um, you'd want to have your couple of your main players not playing possibly. And Klopp's shown that you know he's not he's not really scared of doing that in the big games. Uh, I mean, you saw Mane and Bobby not start against Chelsea at Anfield. You saw Phil and Bobby not start um, in the Merseyside derby at Anfield. So he's shown this season that you know um, he's he's not afraid of giving a couple of the fringe players an opportunity. Uh, like uh, Solanke played quite a few games in the first half of the season. Um, there's additional, there's an additional option there in terms of Danny Ings now. Um, we've not even spoken about Ben Woodburn, although I don't think Woodburn's going to get too many, too many minutes, uh, even even if Klopp wants to rotate. But I think, I think it's time that we we decided on a back four and stuck with it, um, back four and goalkeeper. So uh, because we've seen a lot of times that it's 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 about the little understandings that you develop with one another. Um, it's about how you play as a unit with each other, and when you when you keep on chopping and changing, when you, when you have different people, different personnel in that in those positions in every game, it becomes difficult to develop an understanding on the pitch. I mean, you can you can train as much as you want to, uh, but uh, there, there is really no substitute for actual playing time in in a competitive game. So I would like to see uh, you know a little bit less rotation within the back four. Uh, I mean, it's going to be harsh on a couple of people, like say Klavan. Klavan, whenever he's coming, he's done a job for us more often than not. Um, it'd be unfair on Moreno if if we picked Robertson ahead of him, and it'd probably be unfair on Robertson if we pick Moreno ahead of him. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> but I mean, at some point you need your manager to make a few tough calls, and uh, uh, I think this is that point in the season where you know. A Champions League quarterfinal and a top four finish at uh, you know that at the start of the season, if it said that it was a good season, but now we we genuinely do have the opportunity to kick on from where we are because I think with with our attack and with the way with, that we set up, we can 
we can score goals anywhere we go. It's, it's just about ensuring that we're stable at the back, um, not conceding too many. And I, I, I think that one way of uh, doing that, apart from obviously cutting out the individual errors, apart from that, one way of you know stopping the goals is to actually have a back four and um, just allow them to develop an understanding. You know, centre backs more often than not uh, perform well in in partnerships and you know one individually and the other one not doing well is not going to help too much so I, I'd like to see a little less rotation in the back four the midfield is not a problem there's there's more than enough options there um, and uh, I mean look for the for the number six role you have Henderson and Henderson and Emre Can. Um there's Milner and Wijnaldum there's Oxley, Chamberlain, Lalana. there's more than enough options in midfield and uh, they, they suit the roles that Klopp wants his midfielders to play as well um, so yes, I mean, the front three with the backup they have, you're not going to get the quality. But I, I like what Klopp's done in the last few games. You know, he's taken Bobby off at 65, 70, not allowed him to play full 90 minutes. Uh, that could be a way of giving the front three a rest as well. You know, not allow them to play full 90 minutes, allow them go 65, 70 at full throttle, finish the games off, and then uh, give him an opportunity to rest whoever he wants to. Okay, that's fair. So essentially, what we're what we're gonna look at is the least possible rotation for obviously the the front three, and then keep back four five as solid as possible. Um, that's fair. That's a fair assumption to make. Now, I'm just we we've, we've obviously been amazed by our front three. The front three is probably as, in my opinion, as as a function, as this is so much more uh, methodical in its in in how. You know, incredible they've been, uh, as compared to the previous threes that we have. You know, the likes of Suarez, Sterling, Sturridge. I thought there was more individual brilliance there. Here it just seems like an, an incredible setup. They feed off each other. They work, um, on each other's points and they, they, they sort of complement each other. But with, with this much attention and the fact that someone like Mosal has got 30 goals, we're only in February. Uh, Bob's at 20. Um, Mane, who's supposedly having a bad season. Is close to about 13, 14. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in terms of, you know, getting them signed on to new contracts and better terms and better deals, right? We've all seen what happens with contracts. We've, we've, we as a club is specifically have had a history of giving out newer contracts almost as a security for an additional year of service, if you like to call it. Um, so with all the news about us giving these three new contracts, how happy are we or are we absolutely indifferent about the way these contracts are being given out because we don't really know what's going to happen at the next stage? So what do we think about awarding? Obviously, there's one part of it, which is the reward for the player in terms of better, you know, better salaries, etc. But as a fan, does it excite you any, any longer to get a player to sign a new contract or an improved contract? Neil? This, of course, is exciting because, you know, at least, you know, especially when a big player like, you know, Firmino or Salah or Mane are going to do that, they are committing to the club at least, at least for a year or two, maybe not more. You know, when you sign a five-year contract, of course, you know, some players, it's rare that, you know, players see it through, but you know that the club will be in a position. But as a fan, I think it's, I mean, it's it's great because, you know, he's committed to the club. And you know, at least for a season or two, because when when you when you're doing so well, I think all the other big clubs are eyeing you. And 
especially with Firmino, I think you know he's been so hardworking, and you know it's, he's he, he's a player who's of very rare breed. I feel you know there isn't. I mean, there are hardly players like him in in, in Europe. So I feel, uh, yeah, I, I think it is exciting, and I hope it gets wrapped up soon. And you know, you don't want a situation where you know the club doesn't get anything out of the player as as we are seeing with Mane and you know other players over the Europe like. When you look at Lazio with Stefan Devic, you know he's uh, seeing the contract through, and the club is not getting anything out of the, you know, out of him in the transfer market. So yeah, I think uh, it's important as a club, but as a fan as well. Okay, so is it is it just a Adi? Is it just a false? Let's look at it two ways. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. Is it is it more false security? That individuals get new contracts um, because in some cases, obviously, there is there's player power. There are certain clubs that can afford the money. There are certain clubs that are owned by countries. So, is it just false security, or is it just you know something that we need to make sure we're tying these players down to, be it with or without the release clause? I mean, obviously, we have we have Emery at one situation, and we've got these three at another as well. Oh, look. For me, I'm I'm really not. I I don't really have a particular reaction to them signing or not signing new contracts. Um, because for me, the only consequence of new contracts is that they paid better. Um, because I don't think contracts have any relevance anymore in how long we keep hold of the player. We saw that with Suarez. We saw that with Phil. We saw that with Van Dijk at Southampton and all the shenanigans that he pulled off over there. So I'm. I'm really not, you know, ecstatic that, yes, Bobby's signing a six-year deal, Bobby's going to be here for six years more. No. Uh, there might be a stage when, when say, a Barcelona again come come in for Bobby and he might want to leave and that's perfectly fine, uh, irrespective of whether he signs a new deal or not right now. Um, I think we, we went over this on one of our previous podcasts and uh, I, I'll say that again. With or without contracts, I mean, I think the only way we're going to keep hold of our star players is by our achievements on the football pitch. Um, we've, we've, if we finish in the top four again this season with whatever we've done in the Champions League, we've made progress from last season. The next natural progression, hopefully, is winning a trophy, and hopefully, that's that comes early enough so that we can keep hold of whoever we want to keep hold of. Um, so, I, I look. Whoever it is, Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, a player, the childhood dream is one part of it. But if a player is actually being successful, winning trophies at his current club, there's there's really not as much an incentive as there was for Coutinho to go to Barcelona. Uh, so I think, uh, look, the contracts are good for them. They get paid more, get paid, you know, you can say corresponding to what they contribute for us on the pitch. Uh, but in terms of whether we keep hold of them or not, I, I really don't think that the contracts are going to have any bearing on it because um, because the past has shown us that contracts really do not matter. Yeah, but but I sorry 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 to interrupt, but I think if 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 there's a long-term contract signed, and I I just feel that the club is in a better position to negotiate. You know, if if Coutinho hadn't signed the last contract he signed, we probably would have lost him for. You know, way way less than, and the fans would go on whining about you know why he sold for so cheap. So I think cheap, cheap, and possibly in the summer as well instead of January. 
yeah exactly 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 so i mean i think that's what the idea is that you know the club are in the better position plus i think it kind of i mean of course no i think it motivates so motivates I, I, them i understand better. what you're saying but where i'm getting at is uh, the contracts we I, i hope we get into position where the contracts are actually say like a messi or an iniesta where the contracts actually mean they're going to stay and and you can only do that once if you're successful and winning trophies or we insert 500 million plus something release clauses right but <laughs> i don't that's going to happen anyway with the with the state within so just to wind this up munit look at the contract situation again um if you had four players right so you've got emre you've got bob you've got sa and mane right all four um you need to pick three to give new contracts to presumably obviously everyone wants to sign pick three out of these four who would they be neil i would go with uh, sala mane and famino i think is no brainer for me okay adi yeah sala mane famino i think i think we can replace emre emre is going to be very good i feel he's going to be one of the top midfielders in the world but as of now i think we can replace emre uh a little bit easier that we can replace any one of that front three okay so more part of the front three uh great we're just going to go into just you know the last segment of you know obviously we've had this great we've had this great win uh 5-0 the against porto the return legs pretty much a dead rubber um we just need to survive the 90 minutes we don't see obviously conceding five um and with the way the other results are going to you know have have gone we've seen what happened last week some of those are still obviously in the balance and we've got a few more um you know late this evening early tomorrow morning uh, who would you take or who would you want rather um from whichever angle you want to look at it in the next round which which is the which of the remaining teams would you would you want to face and obviously we want we want the second leg to be at anfield so that's a given but which clubs would you want to face realistically um in the next round adi uh, okay i'm i'm assuming that real are going to hold on to their lead against psg uh so i wouldn't want to face real barcelona and bayern i think we can beat we can beat even even those three i think if we play to the highest of our ability i think we can beat even those three i'd rather i'd rather not play them uh at, at, in the quarter finals I think we can beat any of the English teams on our day. City's a little bit iffy, but I think we can beat any of the English teams. And but if you if you if you pin me down, ask me for one, I'd say whoever wins Roma versus Shakhtar. Okay, Neil. I'm not sure who's going to go through, but let's assume that um, Spurs are going through, City are going through, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich, and let's say United and. Um, a team between Shakhtar and Roma is really a tough call but uh, i think it would be one of those but if not them then it would be a it would probably probably be an english team i guess because i think we i think the traveling would be reduced plus um i think over two legs we can beat any of those uh, english teams really so you think you yeah. you think we'd be able to beat city over yeah over two legs and how we've done in europe i think you know how our fans get behind it in europe and i think it is magical so i think more than premier league i think over two legs uh in yeah i think i'd prefer maybe you know spurs or uh, a united or a city 
Okay. Oh, of course, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and FCB. Oh, so, so so all of us are assuming that that United obviously beats Syria. Yeah. I yeah, we're think, not. We're not. I think it's not no, harder no. than than we're actually assuming it to be. I don't think Syria will, especially over two legs. They gave us, you know, a hard time as well. And I'm not sure if 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 United are in the best form. No, nah, but but, but Sevilla, Sevilla aren't in the best of health either. Um, <coughs> so and and, and look. Um, I don't think I don't think Sevilla are going to get gifts from United the way we we gift wrap two points to them during the group stage. I don't think a Jose Mourinho team is going to do that. Uh, but even that aside, United have their problems, yes. But I think I think they should beat Sevilla still. Um, I'm going to be rooting for Sevilla for sure uh, because I still want revenge. I still want revenge for the Europa League final. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So I guess consensus is the Shakhtar Roma game. The winner of that is probably what we're looking at. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully, ho- hopefully Roma, Shakhtar traveling to Ukraine, all of that might be a bit <coughs> of a hassle because of the fact that you know the Champions League no- quarterfinals onwards, the two legs are not very far away, and <coughs> the travel might and, take a little bit. And Salah returning to Roma, that would be another piece of. Yeah, I guess yes. there's some emotive value to that. But yeah, fair rub enough. It, rub it in their faces that we got him for 35 million. <laughs> I'm not sure we should be making statements like that this soon, though. <laughs> you know, I know Munchi kind of did say that it it was a steal, um, and 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 they got robbed. But yeah, you win some, we lose some, right? Um, awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Um, I think that's been a super pod. Um, again. Feels like a little bit of a boys' club. We've the three <laughs> of us uh, were the only ones available. We've we've hopefully um, done a bit of justice to the topics, um, and we can't wait. We're, we're hopefully the results are good this weekend. Enjoy the Champions League, and um, let's go and get three points against uh, against West Ham.